Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the Conscious Capitalism radio show and podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 50 plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona with lots of activity down in the southern part of our state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for Southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with organizations who know successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. Uh, at the end of the show, we will share some information about upcoming opportunities to engage with Conscious Capitalism. Please remember you can always go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com to learn more. So now let's get into some stories about good business and introduce you to the voices who will be participating in today's conversations. I'll begin with myself. I'm Jeremy Nace, one of your hosts. I am uh, very interested in the topics of sustainable and responsible business. Uh, obviously, my involvement in conscious capitalism is a tell on that, but also my day job is with Retirement Evolutions Wealth Management. We help uh, individuals and businesses invest in what they value. So the concepts of SRI and ESG within investing are near and dear to me as well. And I'm Sarah McCrarren of Com McCrarren Compliance, uh, and our purpose is creating communities where we all watch out for each other. And we do that by offering uh, safety consulting and training services specializing in mining, construction, and vehicle fleet services. So along with us today, we have our, our guests, uh, beginning with Wendy Erica Worden, who is the APR manager, community investment and uh, APR manager of community investment and philanthropy with Tucson Electric Power and Unisource Energy Services? Wendy Erica is an award-winning community engagement manager with more than 25 years of outreach, marketing, media, and strategic development experience. She began her career with the Fox TV affiliate in Cleveland, Ohio, and then moved to Tucson, Arizona which she has worked with associations and businesses, an environmental nonprofit, and media entities, including PBS and NPR affiliates, through the University of Arizona. She joined Arizona Congressman Ron Barber's office as Outreach Dep Deputy District Director in 2012, and then rejoined the Tucson Electric Power Unisys Energy team uh, back in 2015 as the Manager of Community Investment, where she uh, she manages donations totally more than $2 million annually. Uh, it's a pretty big responsibility, a, a lot of money to you know, distribute throughout the community. In her personal time, she enjoys volunteering with Animal Rescue and the outdoors as a trail builder and section steward of the Arizona National Scenic Trail. She is proud of her work and commitment to improving Arizona, but she also loves being on her horse uh, with her trail dog on a mountain far away from the reach of her mobile phone. So thank you so much for being here, Wendy Erica. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 
And we also have Sierra Garcia. She's with she's the CEO of Social Social Venture Partners Tucson, a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting individuals and businesses with true with true community impact. Using a venture philanthropy model, SVB par SVP partners invest their time and money uh, in a vetted nonprofits through multi-year grant and capacity building projects. SVP has a 12-year track record strengthening and scaling nonprofits, maximizing their impact in the Tucson community. Sierra has more than 14 years experience leading nonprofits through strategic growth and transformation. As a community leader, Sierra recognizes the expanded impact that occurs when people come together to leverage their strengths and resources for the greater good. The opportunity to support the Tucson community at this juncture is exciting to me, according to Sierra. In fact, it is what I, most, I am most passionate about bringing people together to create impact. There is so much potential when we bring business, nonprofit, and philanthropic communities together to address community issues. So we get to uh, start off with uh, some great quotes from Sierra as part of her bio. And I just personally want to point out that Sierra talks, it's interesting that in her bio, she talks so much more about her organization and the impact that she wants to create than she does her herself. So I think that's awesome. Thank you, Sierra. Well, thank you for having me. And it's interesting to hear a quote from me being said back to me. <laughs> <laughs> and we apologize in advance for making you say philanthropy so many so times. Many times. It it's seems rough. to be a word that everybody struggles with, <laughs> even you know those of us who have to say it all the time as a part of our professional career. So Absolutely. you did a great job. And it's oh, well, I appreciate even on that. Thank you. There's no pee popping. No, there's no pee popping on that one. Yeah. yeah. You got it. All right. Well, Sarah, let's throw you in the hot seat right out of the gates. Okay. Uh, we are interested in this topic of venture philanthropy. Could you educate us on that and, Absolutely. and what SVP does around that? Just yeah. tell the whole story. Got an hour. Okay. Go, so. go with it. <laughs> let's do it. So venture philanthropy are words you don't often hear put together. And yet that's really at the core of our model at Social Venture Partners. And it's really based on the idea of taking some of the best practices in venture capital and the business sector and bringing them into the nonprofit sector. So specifically at SVP, um, what we do under our venture philanthropy model is we make deep investments in nonprofit organizations. So those are multiple year grants of unrestricted funding. Um, but then the key to that is we leverage that with the time and talent and expertise of our partners. So we are a partnership where individuals and businesses come together to be a part of us and invest in the community with us. At the end of the day, um, through our investments, our, our return on investment is not money, you know, kind of back in our own uh, bank accounts, but it's community level change. So it's really about bridging the gap from multiple sectors and using those together so that we can create change in this community. Nice. Love that concept. Can we unpack that just a little bit? Absolutely. So what would be the roles that we ask the business community to play in assisting with the, the resources? Absolutely. So, um, so there's multiple. So we really believe in bringing both financial resources and human resources to the table. And that's really a, what our leveraged giving model is based on. So for the business community, um, one, it's about giving money, whether that's in grants or donations, in supporting the nonprofit sector and creating that social change. But it's also about bringing the kind of skills and experience. So specifically with SVP, when we invest in a nonprofit over multiple years, so three or more, 
we're going in and we're working on looking at that organization strategy and helping develop that and building operational plans, supporting leadership growth. And when you look at those types of projects, there's a lot of opportunity for the business community to get involved and bring so. what they know and do well and really bring that into the nonprofit sector. Okay. So is that one of your superpowers is you're able to harness the interested business members I would and, say, and get engaged on some of these long-term ones? Or how does that unfold? Absolutely. Both businesses and individuals in this community, um, whether they're actively working or retired, um, everyone has something to give. And we are really kind of the catalyst and the convener of, of bringing these two different groups together so that we can create that kind of change. Perfect. And the other thing that was really interesting to me, as you said, so we're not it's uh, unrestricted money and you're not measuring a return on investment like a normal venture fund would. Yeah. So how do you measure and how do That's... you make awards and uh, make those choices? Yeah. So we go through a process of vetting nonprofits that we're going to work with. Um, everything we do is partner driven. So these are the individuals who are social venture partners. They're volunteers and they're donors. And once we've selected an organization to work with, um, we go through an entire process of analyzing every aspect of their business, okay. uh, something you would often see in that business sector or in that venture capital sector, but is less uh, utilized in the nonprofit sector typically. And then we set a, a growth plan for them. So one of the, the key things that I would say is one of our superpowers is actually scaling nonprofit organizations. Nice. So taking them, um, first it's often stabilizing and really creating kind of a stable capacity uh, operational base for them to work from, but then really growing the number of clients that they're serving in this community. And that's where the real impact happens. Um, so we did a 10-year impact study in 2016. It was our 10-year anniversary of Social Venture Partners Tucson. And we partnered with the Eller College of Management to look at what's the real impact of this work we're doing. And we found that on average, the nonprofits that we're working with are seeing a 260% growth in the number of clients served, which is significant and much greater than most of their peers. Yeah, that's extremely significant. Yeah, that's, that's a great that's number. That's great. It's nice to... Um, have that quantified so that you not only to, you know, put a little bit of proof in what you instinctively and intuitively probably know, but to, you know, have it, you know, validated and, and, and something that you can also share as you um, want to grow your own success by bringing in more, more partners. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And you had mentioned that 2016 was your 10-year anniversary. Is that Arizona? Because Social Venture Partner is national, international? How? What is the scope? Yeah. So, so Social Venture Partners was actually started in Seattle in 1994. Okay. Um, a gentleman by the name of Paul Brainerd, who had Aldea uh, Corporation, which is the maker of Adobe PageMaker, mm. uh, sold his company to Adobe. Okay. And so he found himself uh, himself in his 40s uh, with lots of money and time coin on his, in hand. his pocket. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and he decided to take that opportunity to really, you know, look around and say, how do I make a bigger difference here in the Seattle community? And he felt like there was a different way to go about connecting the businesses and the individuals in that community with the nonprofits who were really working on the problems. So he created Social Venture Partners. Skip forward a few years, Social Venture Partners have started in a few other cities, and eventually they started Social Venture Partners International, which is kind of our, our head organization. 
And then in 2006, here in Tucson, Helene Levy, who has deep philanthropic and business roots in our community, and Steve Alley, who was at that point the uh, CEO of the Community Foundation for Southern Arizona, heard about the Social Venture Partners model and felt like it was the perfect opportunity uh, to bring this into the Tucson community. So we started here in Tucson in 06 with eight partners. And today we are actively growing. We're 120 partners who are investing in social change through us. And then internationally, uh, we are now the largest network of engaged philanthropists in the world. We have over 3,400 partners in 40 cities and eight countries. That's great. And I love, you you know, you mentioned engaged philanthropists. There we go again. (laughs) word. Yeah. And, and, and it, it really, um, you know, highlights or, you know, reinforces that, you know, it was based off of the, the venture capital model, but, you know, with a completely different ends, I might say, you know, but not only do we want your money, but we want your time and your expertise. And it's great because obviously it's, it's uh, um, it, like you're saying, one of your superpowers is to scale. So how do we ensure that these nonprofits, these organizations grow and that their impact grows? Um, but also keeping those philanthropists <laughs> engaged. And so as opposed to, you know, maybe hopping from place to place or maybe even, you know, you know, I did. I, did I give this year? You know, where am I with my philanthropy? It's like no, they're in it. You know, and they're they have a, a stake. They're a true stakeholder beyond just you know throwing money at something. So that's ex- extremely exciting. So thank you. So Wendy, Erica, I think just about everyone listening will know uh, who T- TEP is and what they do. So let's go straight to talking about, you know, why are we bringing you to represent T- TEP on a Conscious Capitalist show? So uh, let's start with what makes TEP a good place to work. Um, so a good place to work is that many of our employees, when they join TEP, are already familiar because they've seen us out in the community somewhere at a volunteering at an event, um, at a walk. Um, so many of our employees, when they come, already know us for our philanthropic deeds that we do in the community. Um, we have many, many folks who uh, basically, you know, their first day that they come look and say, what are the volunteer activities we can do this weekend, we can do this month. And that was actually, you know, our our synergy with SVP has been so strong um, because when they came to us and, want, you know, talking about a partnership and I know a little later in the program we'll talk about Fast Pitch which is one of the programs that that um, had our two organizations work so closely together um, it was because they were looking for um, not only the financial support but for mentors that could help and work with a lot of these nonprofits and I think what's so valuable about what SVP brings to the table is um, I think that that um, scaling is good thinking about growth, but I also think right sizing and from the nonprofits that we've worked with who have been fortunate enough to have the expertise of social venture partners is it really is, and it's part of their tagline, more than the donation. What they tell us that they get back from it is when they have a program that they're thinking of expanding or an area that they're thinking of going into. They have this cadre of very, very informed, well-intentioned, very 
thoughtful people who can help them think through how that will impact them as a nonprofit. Is there another nonprofit in the community that's already doing those types of activities? And they really give that thoughtfulness to making sure that the nonprofit is um, staying true to its mission. And I think that's that kind of North Star that SVP um, gives back to the community through their through their expertise. And you know, we were able to recognize that and come on as a, a financial sponsor of that and our uh, folks who have been engaged with that either as a judge during their fast pitch program, that is one of the things that they say that they appreciate um, the most about it is learning about the diversity of nonprofits that we have in our community, um, but also that they personally feel like it's more than the donation that they can help these nonprofits really make an impact right here in Southern Arizona. And I heard you say that um, often employees, you know, the weekend, we're getting closer to the weekend and they say, okay, what are the opportunities to go out and volunteer? Tell me a little bit more about what that looks like within TEP. Sure. So we have about 25% of our um, employees who uh, volunteer in some capacity um, more than 25 hours over a year. Um, so we have a, a very large, you know, the blue shirts is usually the, what they're called. You'll see them in the community with their community uh, shirts on. And really, those are the folks that, uh, unlike some other um, local businesses, we don't have paid days of volunteerism. Um, there are some organizations like Target and City who do incredible work in this community. I cannot say enough about the great volunteerism that they do. Um, however, their employees get a paid day. So instead of saying, I came to work today and I worked eight hours, they get to say, I volunteered today for eight hours, and they get compensated for those eight hours of volunteering. When you see a TEP blue shirt in the community, they are there through the goodness of their heart. Um, they don't get compensated in any way other than the, the gratification that they feel for giving back to the, the organizations that they're passionate about. So as we mentioned earlier, we've got Tucson Electric Power has a budget of about $2 million that we're able to reinvest in the areas that we provide um, electric and gas across the state. Um, but the other areas uh, where we give that are outside of our focus areas of education, low-income community support, and uh, uh environment are things that our employees are passionate about. Um, one of our, our, our largest walks that we do is the Light the Night Walk with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society because we have one of the managers in our um, uh, transmission distribution operations who is a survivor of that disease. And unfortunately, we also lost an employee to that disease earlier this year. She worked at TEP and her spouse works at TEP. So this year, we'll probably have upwards of 100 and 150 employees who will go out for the Light the Night Walk to show their support, not only for the survivor, um, but for the person who, who lost their, that family member. So that's really what we try to do is find those causes that recognize, rec resonate. Why can't I think of the word resonate? resonate. <laughs> just like philanthropy, just like philanthropy <laughs> um, with our employees. And, and that's really the true thing that I think when we're talking about conscious capitalism is that every business can find something that their employees are passionate about um, just by having that conversation. And that's really what we do is we have that conversation with our employees and find out something that strikes that spark with them. And then we try to provide the resources, whether it be financial or volunteers that can help them go make that impact in the community. So I think it's interesting that you contrast, um, you know, Target as a, an example that you gave where they will, employees are compensated versus employees do it because, you know, because they want to. So 
Uh, I'm just, you know, do you have any thoughts on from an employee satisfaction or engagement? Do you think that one is more valuable than the other? I think that everyone has their their uh, way to give. And if that is what creates that that motivation for those employees who are compensated, and I, I will tell you, they do amazing, uh, they're able to accomplish truly amazing things. So I just think it's a different opportunity and a different approach uh, to it, you know, looking at a, a smaller business. And again, that's what I think this show is about is try to encourage other businesses to join this conscious capitalism movement is that, you know, if you could compensate someone and say, hey, we're all getting paid this Friday afternoon, let's go uh, to a senior center and, you know, engage with the seniors and try to bring some joy and, and volunteer in that way. That's a wonderful opportunity to compensate them. But if you can and you say, hey, you know, Saturday, let's go to, um, you know, therapeutic riding of Tucson and, and do something with the kids that are out there that are, you know, out there working with the horses and trying to volunteer and do that way because they're passionate about that. Um, it just depends on what the resources are for each one of those businesses to provide. There's not a right or wrong. I think it's both. Um, and, and whatever way they can contribute, that's what we want to reward. That makes sense. And I, it, it's, uh, you're right. It's just whatever program fits you. Uh, and yet, when you think about it, if you have people who are willing to volunteer and they're out there on, on the regular, uh, then you can now have maybe some other monetary resources. So potentially the reason that TEP has, you know, is able to have $2 million in, in actual cash that they, you know, put out into the community every year. Part of that is because they do have individuals who are willing to volunteer their time. And then it's not an either or, it's a it's a both and. Right. And I guess the one thing I should say for point of clarification, too, is that the $2 million are for, um, come from uh, company resources. They don't come from customers' rates. Um, so these are things that would typically, um, you just be a, an asset of the of the organization. Um, so a, a lot of people have, you know, when we look at JD Power Associates and feedback, you know, we we've had you know our customers say, "Don't do so much in the community; just lower my rates." They're two completely separate sources of funding. So I want to think it's all also very important for people, you know, especially as we're going into these hotter summer months mm -hmm. when those bills when those bills up. could be, uh, you know, what I mean, a little bit, uh, you know, higher. Um, that uh, th they know that those that that funding that we do for those programs do come from different resources. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you want to make sure you don't force anything on anyone, including you know your consumers. Mm -hmm. I just want to show, uh, I, and if I understand correctly, you're actually curating the opportunities. So you said, hey, the weekend's approaching. I want to volunteer this weekend. I want to put on my blue shirt and go make things happen. That's right. That's part, that's your role or there's somebody's that's, responsibility to say, okay, here's 10 things that we've lined up. You can go sure. to any one of these places. Let me know. Put your name on the list. So we have a, a database of that, that um, through our intranet that our employees can go access and look at things across the state that we have invested in, um, that they can go volunteer and spend their time. Um, you know, again, whether, you know, some of our uh, very, very popular ones are, you know, preparing meals for Ronald McDonald House or going down to Primavera and working with the men's shelter down there. And I mean, the great thing is so many of our employees, we really try to have um, uh, family-based uh, volunteerism because they say the conversations that they have with their children when they're driving home about what it means, like they have eight pairs of shoes they can pick from when they, you know, get up in the morning and, and go to school. That person might not have that opportunity or, you know, we've got meals, we've got things that are over our head. We have an obligation to give back because we've received so much. And it just is really interesting and heartwarming to hear our employees talk about what they value that they hear from their children 
And hopefully it is creating that second generation that's willing to give back. Absolutely. I well, was... <laughs> he's pointing at me. Uh, but uh, I was going to say, I, the and the, the bigger picture is about um, values themselves. And so... Um, you know, you have these opportunities that are not just for your employees, uh, but also, you know, expanding into their families. So it helps to, you know, help develop and, um, and enrich, I suppose, a true values-based culture, not only for the company and for the people at the company, but, you know, going into their homes. Uh, it, it can be, we can be so caught up in, you know, cons consumerism and, you know, um, uh, materialism and achievement, uh, it can be really easy to become disconnected from true values. And I think that having the opportunity, again, not just for your employees, but how do we expand that into their families and create, you know, those ripple effects is... Um, I know it's pretty cool. You know, one of the uh, organizations that we have quite a few uh, employees involved with was actually one of the Social Venture Partners awardees not too many years ago, which was um, SARCEF, which is the Southern Arizona Regional Science and Engineering Foundation. Well um, thank you. They are, I practice that. Um, they actually are uh, the ones that bring the uh, science fair um, to the, down to the TCC. And, uh, you know, across the board in talking with uh, the different people with within their organization, they said the value that they found for social venture partners um, was that, uh, you know, it, it was two years, three years after their um, initial uh, award that they were given, but that when they were talking about things that they wanted to do to expand and go into schools and be more than just the fair, um, they felt that they had that valuable resource um, to be able to do that by going back into things that they had learned. Uh, the other strength that I think that is just fabulous um, and maybe Sarah, you can talk about it too, is the way that they work on developing board, the boards, and uh, making sure that the board of directors is really helping these nonprofit organizations accomplish some really, really great things. Absolutely. Um, before we go there, I just, what strikes me right now as I listen to you talk about everything that TEP does in the community is what a profound difference you're making. And I think about this a lot because you are one of the, the most significant supporters of social venture partners, uh, both with your financial contribution and then with your employees volunteering with us. And time and time again, uh, I see that with all of the nonprofits that we work with and how you're really making a difference there. Oh, thank you. Um, to go to your question about boards, uh, absolutely. So when we come in and start working with an organization, we're working with the staff, and the board, uh, recognizing that the board of directors is really gonna carry the work that we do with them in uh, setting strategy and starting to execute on that and building leadership. And they're gonna carry that forward into the future. So there are a few um, key areas that we work on with every organization, SARSF included, and board development is one of those. And so, so many people are very well-intentioned and they get on a board and uh, don't often know exactly how they can contribute the, the knowledge and experience and expertise that they have uh, to really move that organization forward and having a good, solid functioning board that can really recognize uh, and fulfill its role of setting the strategy and ensuring there's quality leadership and ensuring that there's adequate resources for the organization to uh, fulfill its mission is vital. 
And so that is something that we do not only with the organizations we work with um, on our multi-year capacity building. We call them investees. We use kind of different language. uh, So they're not grantees, they're investees uh, because we consider it a community investment. Uh, but also for other nonprofits, uh, recognizing that's just one of those kind of inflection points where we can really make a difference with an organization. And I believe in terms of you know conscious capitalism, and if there, there are folks that are listening to this from a business perspective, that if they're not really sure how to get their toe in the water with uh, conscious capitalism, that the, the possibility for volunteering on a board, uh, finding out, you know, what, it, you know, organization that they're passionate about and going and having a conversation and seeing if that may be a good place for them to, you know, make a commitment of their time and resources and expertise uh, is, is always kind of a great way to do that and also have very clear expectations about what the nonprofit is is expecting out of the board member um, and then also what the board member expects you know to receive in return um, and and you know how many meetings to attend and all those type all those types of roles and responsibilities of a board member but I think sometimes that's a really a nice way to, to look below the surface of just some of the nonprofits that you see out there um, if there are some that resonate with people that they're always looking for highly you know uh, passionate board members who can come on and can contribute in that way. Yeah, it is one of the uh, top phone calls I receive at my office is we need people on our board. I guess that makes sense. Well, and, um, you know, what came to mind for me as you were talking, Wendy, Erica, is how important purpose is to humans. And that, you know, purpose is certainly one of the tenets of conscious capitalism. You know, we believe that good business, you know, it's a critical ingredient to, to um to operating a, a quote unquote good business. And and yet, you know, companies are all, you know, across the spectrum when it comes to cap to, to conscious capitalism, including, you know, not conscious at all. Uh, and all the way to, you know, you know, very highly conscious and, and very clear on their purpose. And so sometimes maybe although ideally and you know we're looking to, you know, I, we, me, looking to create a world where purpose is clear in companies. And, and, and for me personally, everyone also is in tune to a personal purpose. And, and you know, your workplace is now in a, an alignment between, you know, the company's purpose and your personal purpose. But we're clearly, you know, on the path. Uh, so volunteer, volunteerism and finding nonprofits who have a purpose that speak to you can be a way to connect to your own personal purpose if you currently don't have that opportunity through your workplace. I think too, it's a great team building exercise. We use it a lot at Tucson Electric Power Company. Um, Gap Ministries is another incredible local nonprofit that's here. Uh, they have a culinary training program for actually their students or their children who are in their foster care. Um, what they found is that they had many, many uh, young people who were aging out of the foster care system that had no skill set whatsoever. They had barely just m- maybe um, graduated from high school and didn't have any other plans for career or secondary education and what were they going to do with these young people so they actually started a culinary training center uh, where those kids now do food service not only for the other foster children in their care and Amphi schools but they're also learning that culinary skill that now they can go and do food service work at local restaurants or some of the other uh, different uh, culinary opportunities that they have in town and we actually went there recently and did a chopped um, episode where we broke into local teams and they gave us different 
different ingredients and we had some of our executives come in and they were our judges and it was so fun um, to do a team building and get to know our staff a little bit better and then the money we donated back to Gap Ministries instead of going and doing a fun day of miniature golf or some of the other kind of things that people sometimes do as a team building experience and we just found that really rewarding and then a lot of our employees then got much more connected with that particular nonprofit organizations. And I know there are several nonprofits who are looking at that as kind of a revenue generation model for them to try to do things. And I think a lot of nonprofits, and Sierra, I'm sure you probably do a lot of counseling on this too, are really looking for those alternative revenue models that donations um, you know, are, are an important part of their financial background, but, but they're looking at the evolution of the philanthropy model to say they're looking for ways that they can actually generate revenue as a self-sustaining um, activity. Yeah. I mean, I think in, on both sides, you're seeing that the kind of lines between nonprofit and for-profit are starting to get blurred. And so nonprofit organizations are looking for revenue that's beyond, you know, donations and grants. Um, and at the same time, you know, the conscious capitalism movement and other organizations are really pushing this idea that it's not just about making money, but really about creating change. And for me, it's exciting to think about where we're going to be, you know, decades from now, um, as these lines become much more blurred. Because at the end of the day, you know, a nonprofit business is a business that Absolutely. has... A, you know, a social mission, uh, which isn't that much different than what you're talking about here in conscious capitalism. Yeah, we we stipulate all the time. The DNA is the same. You know, the the badge might be a little bit different, but we all have to have money in order to carry forward what we're doing. And uh, it makes perfect sense that we look at value as more than just dollars wherever you're at and on the spectrum. So we all have to approach it the same way, regardless of what category we file uh, our taxes under. There are the Arizona Association of Nonprofits has done some reporting recently that says collectively nonprofits in the state of Arizona equate to about the same amount of revenue brought in that the construction industry does. So, I mean, really as a social force for good, not only, you know, to Sierra's point, their product is reinvestment in the good that they do in the community. Um, but I always try to encourage folks as well to think of nonprofits, um, you know, just businesses with a, a social outcome because they're also needing insurance and copy paper and, um, you know, uh, human resources Absolutely. services and all of these things that so many of our businesses provide here. I think sometimes people, uh, you know, have this thought of a nonprofit um, and they're, they're set up to run, you know, hopefully just as effectively, if not more so um, than some of our businesses. And I think that that's an important thing to remember that they are just as much of a, a business partner in a lot of ways as, as some of the other for-profit entities that are out there. Yep, it's all about the the value exchange, you know, when it comes down to it. And, and we're, you know, we're conscious, you know, capitalism. And yet we are always in, you know, happy to have and, and inviting, you know, nonprofits and for profit businesses, because again, we, we don't really see the difference. I mean, we want, we think it's important for nonprofits to be viable and to be, um, you know, rich, resource rich and to create uh, great workplaces and be able to highly compensate as opposed to, uh, you know, being on the, uh, well, you know, you're, you're a nonprofit. So that means that you need to operate from a scarcity, you know, bare bone shoestring budget or you're, or you're not doing it right. So, and that's, I think, you know, going back to what you're saying about the lines are really blurring and, you know, all for it. Let's make them as blurry as possible. And, you know, maybe they even disappear someday. 
Well, we also talk quite a bit about, you know, creating uh, conscious consumers and people. And that's the, you know, the other aspect we like to, you know, kind of joke around a little at, at Tucson Electric Power is that we're one of the only companies that encourage people to use less of our product um, through our energy efficiency measures. Um, because, you know, let's face it, where we are very electricity dependent, we want our cell phone to be charged. We want our coffee to be hot in the morning. Um, but we also have that uh, thought process. How can we do that in the most environmentally sensitive way? Um, a lot of people don't realize that we burn no coal in southern Arizona. We are all natural gas or solar um, at this point. So we have to look at how can we provide for our customers in the most environmentally sensitive way, but make sure as these increased demands for you know large businesses to relocate um, in southern Arizona that we're meeting that demand, but also making sure that we do it with a renewal, you know, with renewable energy. And a lot of that is going in and teaching our kids to be good consumers and our, our customers to be good consumers that if you can, uh, you know, can afford in, uh, a higher energy efficiency uh, heating and cooling system, if you can go to time of use um, and shave the times when you use your energy. Um, I'm a huge proponent of time of use rates. If you're not familiar with that, we do have it, um, you know, the information on that. And I personally do it. It's basically just shifting the use to off peak times. Um, and, and across the board, almost everyone, both customers, uh, both residential and commercial customer um, programs, you know, can you can save money. And that's another great way that people can give back by using less um, of that product during those peak times. So with the resources that we have, we can make sure that we're providing that safe, reliable power that we do. Good input. So, Sierra, you mentioned that uh, board development was one of the things that you, it's kind of the, the standard menu. So there's some customization based on, you know, who your client is, what are their needs, where are they, you know, in their evolution. But what are the other things that everybody gets? Uh, that's a really good question. So we do customize all of our work with the nonprofits, um, really recognizing we want to understand them and really understand what they're trying to achieve um, and help bring some thought and strategy to that. And what we found over the years is that there are a few things that every real uh, relationship needs and every nonprofit needs. And so board development is one of them, leadership development, so in the past uh, year and a half, we started a coach mentor program at Social Venture Partners, where our partners are trained to serve as coaches to nonprofit employees. So Sarah, you had brought up uh, this idea of having resource-rich nonprofits, and that is certainly a vision that we hold. Um, and it's also a challenge. It's something that's not being fully realized in our community and in our world. And so nonprofit employees often don't have professional development opportunities. And so this is another way that we can engage our partners in providing something uh, that's needed in the nonprofit sector that really helps kind of elevate that nonprofit and their mission. So we train our partners to serve as coach mentors, and then they're paired with a nonprofit employee, and they make a one-year commitment, and they meet with them as if you had your own professional coach. And so they're there to really support them through their growth and kind of expansion as a professional which is also important because we're going in and we're guiding them through, you know, three years of essentially change. And we want to make sure that each of those employees has the opportunity to really adapt to that change and uh, be ready to lead the organization that it's going to be in three years. So that's another piece of it. Um, and then the other piece is all around strategy and planning. And we might do that in different ways, depending on the organization and what their needs are. But we always look at, let's get really clear on what you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes we'll challenge that 
Um, and then once we've gotten that clarity of what's the real purpose that we're working on, let's develop a plan to get there. And so we develop that roadmap. And then that roadmap becomes our kind of joint, uh, you know, project map for three years with the nonprofit. And that's where it starts to get really different. We could do things such as marketing projects or human resources projects or financial modeling projects. But with those three key pieces in place, um, we found that we can really guide nonprofits uh, to creating something new. So how do you or describe a little bit more the, you know, programs and, you know, training and onboarding that your partners go through? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so our partners come from all walks of life. I mean, we have uh, business partners such as TEP, and within them, we have multiple you know employees who get engaged with us. Um, we have people who are retired teachers or actively uh, working physicians, Fortune 100 CEOs. And my point to that is they all show up with different experiences and different expectations. So we have an onboarding process that really helps to start to talk about, one, our culture, um, because we're going to do this work as social venture partners. So aligning around our values and culture is really important to us from the beginning. And so with that, we're talking about things about uh, like relations, relationships. How do you build a relationship? Um, and we're talking about things such as equity. And so we have those conversations from the very beginning with our partners. And then we also guide them through some trainings on what it's really like in the nonprofit sector uh, when you might have less resources than you would wish. So you might go in and we want to create a marketing plan, but guess what? There's no marketing budget. <laughs> so how do you tackle that problem? So we really look at it both from kind of the values and culture piece as well as uh, just some real life scenarios of what it's like to work in the nonprofit sector. And I'd say that the most important element is really, um, which is key to us working in partnership with, with organizations, is honoring what that nonprofit brings to the table. Um, they know the answers to the, the problems. They have the solutions to, uh, you know, whatever it is they're trying to solve, you know, whether it's homelessness or feeding people or education. That's not our expertise. Um, but when we can combine what they know and what they do well with what we know and we do well, and really bridge that gap, that's where we see the impact happen. Yeah, I think that's important because you have these highly successful, driven, you know, people who, um, you know, who, again, who they've been very successful and yet you have to, and, and, and they are now donating their time, you know, donating their resources. Um, how do we make sure that, you know, yes, they are experts in certain areas and, you know, yes, that, you know, we, we value and in you know in many ways need you know them to contribute with their money and their time but let's not devalue what the other side is bringing uh so i think i think that sounds like a, is a pretty important uh you know pre-step to make sure that it really is a good um amicable prosper prosperous you know relationship I think that the people do that do volunteer in some way with social venture partners, the return on their investment that they get is that sense of pride and watching that organization become more successful or take a different tact um, or uh, come up with a, uh, you know, a different partnership that they may not have thought of before, I think is is just one of the, the most self-fulfilling thing, which is why they do have such success recruiting such incredible people to be those mentors to those nonprofits 
nonprofit groups is that it does become very reciprocal that they're both learning. The the mm -hmm. business folks are learning a little bit more about the nonprofit world. The nonprofit world is l learning a little bit more about the expertise and the resources that those uh, mentors uh, do. And I mean, time and time again, we've heard from uh, different people who have been through the process that even more than the donation that they might receive as something as a, a result of fast pitch. And I hope we have enough time to talk about fast pitch because it is it is incredible and it is so much fun. Um, and every year that this is the fifth year. Let's just talk about year. it right now. Okay. Let's I know. I, I'm I was like, gonna say, I'm like sitting here. I'm gonna hold myself like back this. from you know because yeah. I want to talk about fast pitch yeah. because it is it is just such and a we're great out program. of time. But yeah, next so show much for that. we're gonna cover that. <laughs> Wrapping it up now. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. You know, don't don't you know keep listening. Tell us the. Kick I us love into that fast you pitch, are yeah. as excited about fast pitch as I am. Do you I, want to start it off? Okay, so. So what you do, um, first of all, you, every you know, nonprofits who and cl correct me if I'm wrong, Sierra, nonprofits who are interested in participating in Fast Pitch get to apply, and then they are. Um, kind of uh, reviewed by the fast pitch team and the mentors until they get down to a, a, a smaller group uh, that goes through this kind of a shark tank process, for lack of a better term. And that they really try to do is help these nonprofits communicate. Uh, you know, if you were stuck in an elevator with someone from a huge foundation and had five minutes or less to pitch what it is that you do in a nutshell and have a compelling um, uh, case for them, what would that what would that case be. And they work it with them on, uh, you know, talking about how they, the accomplishments and the, the accolades that they may get from out in the community in such a way that it really resonates with the person and the person wants to write them a $5 million check by the time they exit the elevator. That's the, that's the, that's the big picture. That's, that's the big picture part of it. Um, the actual evening of they have, I believe it's five. So we have seven. Seven. So so essentially, so uh, Wendy Erica mentioned that uh, people apply. So I will say that applications opened yesterday. So timely. Yeah, nonprofit community or those of you who have nonprofits that you love, please encourage them to look at the fast pitch application and apply. And then there will be a group. Um, it's our fast pitch selection committee, of which TEP employees have been members of, that will read through all those applications and choose 15 organizations that go through this two-month training process. And in that two months, we are training them on how to deliver the perfect three-minute pitch. And uh, there's many steps along the way, and we go through practice sessions, and we, you know, have them mic'd up and they're on stage and they're being filmed. Uh, Think of like a mini TEDx. Like if you were, if this nonprofit was given an opportunity to do a TEDx presentation, mm -hmm. what would you want that to look like? So again, it's the compelling case, but it's also how do you move across the stage? How do you draw that audience in? How do you kind of captivate them to your story? Yeah. Now, three minutes seems very specific. Is Did you arrive at that number by any trial and error or that's just kind of how the night flows? You got to keep it to three minutes to get through everybody. That's, you know, it's the way we started and it works. So we okay. haven't changed it. Okay. Yeah. And so after the two month training process with the 15 nonprofits, we select seven that get to pitch live on stage. And ah, every okay. year we've sold out the fast pitch finale event. It happens at the Tucson Convention Center at the Leo Rich Theater. Um, I'll put another plug in. It's November 7th. So you can mark your calendars now, but we'll have over 500 Tucsonans show up to listen to these pitches. 
And then we have all sorts of exciting ways that we give out grants and awards, um, including the TEP Power to the People Award, in which our audience gets to text to vote right. for their favorite pitch of the evening. And we give them a big check on behalf of TEP. And that's what makes it really, truly fun is that, uh, you know, you. Every year that I go, I learn about a nonprofit that I have never heard of before. And the great thing about it is that it is it equals the playing field. It doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit that has three employees or if you're a nonprofit that has 30 employees or 100 employees. Everyone that night, it's basically um, pure uh, mission driven what you accomplish and how compelling you can be to build your case. So for me, every year, it's so fun to go to learn about nonprofits that I had I'd never heard of before and to really kind of truly understand what that's all about. So before you go into this fast pitch event, all of those final 15, 15 are out in the lobby with a little kind of expo area. So you can still walk around and, and interact with them and get to know them a little bit better and, and hear about just the incredible nonprofits that really are trying to change things, you know, right here in Southern Arizona. So I'll make a pitch really for loses. it, too. I went last year, and it was so fun. It is, uh, there's just so much energy, and you just, you get behind someone. I mean, it's it's the, it's the not only do you, who do you want to win, but who do you think is going to win? And, you know, and you, do you, do you let people know how you voted? Do you kind of keep it to yourself? I mean, it, it is, it is really, really fun. So everyone, November 7th, make sure you're there, because it's, you know, not only do you get to interact and learn about all the different nonprofits, but it's just a really great way to spend a couple hours, couple hours. Yeah. on a Thursday evening. Yeah. And one of the uh, key elements of the program is our fast pitch mentors, of which hopefully I can say this, Sarah is going to be a mentor this Yay. year. Mm. Yeah. So maybe we're going to have to get Jeremy to agree before we leave today. I can go really fast. How fast do you need me to go? Freaky fast? <laughs> Freaky fast. Oh, di oh different, different context. Yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah. And so our fast pitch mentors, um, we have two community members, often business leaders in, in Tucson, who are paired with each nonprofit participant, and they support them throughout the process. Uh, they go through our pitch training alongside them, so they kind of know the elements of the pitch, and then they are their supporter, their confidant, their feedback, uh, the person they practice with, and really help them get ready for the big finale event. And you have to think of, you know, here are these amazing nonprofit leaders. And sometimes they're the executive director. Sometimes they're a development director. So sometimes they're a program manager who have been coached through this process to get up on stage and give a fast pitch. I mean, you think about going in front of, you know, like the, the, the famous people on the fast pitch television show. Imagine that amplified by 500 people that are your peers and your family and everyone else looking at you. So they have really given not only only the skill of, of refining that, you know, pitch down to three minutes, but the skill of being able to, whenever the opportunity arises, to go to a Rotary Club or to any other group in town that might be willing to say, hey, I've heard about XYZ organization. Do you have a presentation that you could come make to us? Well, as a matter of fact, yes, I have. Thank you, Social Venture Partners. I have my, you know, can can pack up my, uh, my roadshow and really go and deliver a compelling argument 
for what they're able to achieve. And it's just, it, it's such a great skill set for them to be able to provide different people within the whole organization, um, not only just their board and their executive director, but it percolates down really, you know, to the whole organization being able to rise to that occasion and, and really learning uh, through the process of um, this mentoring program. Yeah, so everybody wins. And I'm even thinking that, uh, you know, because I have the opportunity to be a mentor this year, I am going to make sure that I perfect the pitch for my own company because I have never really been taught the, the skill, uh, probably to the level that I should as well. So, um, well, and maybe yep. that's something that business leaders can learn from social venture yep. partners and some of these, um, you know, nonprofits is that if you were, you know, in the in a uh, stuck in an elevator with someone for three minutes and had this big idea that you wanted to pitch to someone for a new brand of your business, um, and you had the opportunity, how would you do it in, in a great way? So a lot that businesses can learn about how to do that as well. Yeah, we hear that from our mentors is they go through the pitch training. And so they often then start to utilize it for their own personal pitches. Yeah, forced to look in <laughs> the mirror you. and gauge yourself. Yeah, because again, the lines between being a, you know, a great nonprofit and a for-profit organization are very blurry. It's just, you know, where the outcomes of their their uh, resources and sales go. Do they get reinvested back into their uh, nonprofit or do they go for their, you know, their organization that they're professional um, for-profit business. Spot on. So, Wendy, Erica, um, I mean, you're just clearly so passionate about community and, you know, and spend so much time talking about social venture partners, maybe just a little bit more. So we highlight, you know, TEP. Sure. Uh, can you tell us, you know, uh, some of the, the ways that, um, you know, an organization like TEP can balance what can sometimes appear to be competing needs across different stakeholder groups? Surely, you know, I, I think that when you're looking at different stakeholder groups, you know, we've got residential customers that we're, you know, we, we try to make sure that we're educating them on ways that they can use um, electricity a little bit, um, a little bit better. We have in, the investors that, you know, obviously do want us to be a for-profit business. And, uh, you know, when we're sitting there talking with them about um, the different ways that, you know, we hope that by our investing in the community, our shareholders are happy with what we do and our community is happy with what we do and how we reinvest um, because this is where we work. Um, you, know, you think about economic development, we don't have a product that we can really export and say, okay, we're now going to produce this and sell it in, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, or somewhere in Texas. We basically, this is our service territory. This is where Every single one of our employees lives and goes to work every single day. Um, and we want to be the people that are sitting next to you at your synagogue or at your kid's soccer match. And we want to see you have, you know, our employees be the face of the company. We don't ever want to feel like we're too big that you don't know someone from Tucson Electric Power Company. Um, because it, it's real easy, I think, to kind of uh, to not have that face when you're a large corporate organization. So we hope of the 1,400 employees that we have... Um, um, which is another reason why volunteering is so important to us is that we want people to to feel like they know their neighbors and their friends. And oh yeah, by the way, you know my you know my daughter's dance teacher works at TEP and she's an an IT director. Those are the types of things that for us those stakeholders. A large one of them are our employees because they're our best uh, community asset that we have to be out there advocating for us every single day out in the community and trying to give back. Well, so it sounds to me like the the way that you balance it is that you just truly 
are and you know in every belief and breath and everything you do a member of the community that's number one you're a member of the community so our actually our the vision statement of our company is improving the quality of life in the communities we serve um, so we do have a mission statement which is to be your first choice energy partner but that builds up to making our community a better place and we know the more that we strengthen economic development and businesses and nonprofits um, and our education system and a lot of these different resources that we have here, we're building a stronger community that we all want to call home. Um, and every time people are writing out their, you know, July utility bill, we want them to think, oh, you know, that, you know, that I saw, you know, the TEP was in my kid's school and talking to them about electrical safety or in the high school talking about jobs and solar careers. That's really where we try to reinvest so that it does make them feel like they, they do have, uh, you know, someone that is caring about them and trying to reinvest. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, too, is that, you know, I also think it's an obligation of, of Tucson Electric Power Company and a lot of the business community to help others who might want to put their toe in the water in conscious capitalism or, or even, you know, giving back to the community is that, you know, talking to your employees about what is important to them, somewhere they may want to go, something they may want to do in a community. You know, if you're a, if you're a paint store and you want to go, you know, paint a senior center or, um, you know, is that really just talking to your employees and really finding out from them what's important to them or really looking at the business that you do. We gave the example of a, you know, a, a local bakery or a local retail organization that provides something. How can you give that back to the community in a meaningful way um, that, that isn't too far from what you do so that your customers see that as a normal connection, but then they feel good every time they walk through your, your store, whether you're a dry cleaning company that wants to do a sweater drive um, to that we can give sweaters to our kids in the clothing banks, that every single one of our high schools has a clothing bank. Um, there is every opportunity to find a way, either at the micro level or the macro level, that's that's an easy entry point to just make you feel like you're, you're doing a good thing. And not only are your employees going to feel better and more connected to your company, but your customers are going to be more connected to that too. And communicating that to them and, and being proud of the fact that do you do a sweater drive, that's a great thing for you to be able to have your customers be a part of that and how to engage them and bring them into the fold to really have them say, you know, gosh, this this company really cares about my community. They're making sure that that maybe kids have resources in a local school or or any type of opportunity that they have to to really share what they can give. Yeah, it's the ongoing. It's not a single act that builds a culture. It's the it's community as a value. Yes, it's mm -hmm. a perpetual. How can we? Do more. How do we level up? And I think that just starts with the conversation, because if you ask the question, I think that most businesses, your your employees want to, to tell you. They want to connect with you and they want to feel like they have a voice in the process. So whether it's doing team building or whether it's um, or, you know, really just kind of finding out how you can engage with your customers, um, the best way is just to ask the question. Yep. That's absolutely correct. Uh, and, and to the spirit of leveling up, Sarah, let's uh, throw the last question your way. So your mission every day is to help the nonprofits serve in a, in a better and larger capacity for their users. What's next for SVP? How are you going to 
answer that same challenge for your own organization. How are you evolving? Yes. Yeah, no, that's an exciting question to, to for us to be thinking about right now. Um, I mentioned before our 10-year impact study, um, which was phenomenal and showed us that we were having an impact in our community. And at the same time, it really made us start to question uh, what's next and what more can we do? And so uh, historically, we have really measured success by nonprofit growth. And at the same time, the challenges in our community uh, appear to be getting bigger and bigger. And it's not just here in Tucson, it's happening everywhere. So right now we're really asking ourselves how we can commit social venture partners resources, um, both financial and this kind of human capital that we bring to the table to seeing community level change. And that's a really hard question to ask and to tackle. So I don't know that I have the answer to that. We're in the midst of figuring this out. Um, we know that uh, the key aspects of what we do with capacity building and nonprofits are going to be a piece of that. Um, that's not going to go away. Um, but perhaps how do we bring those resources into a really focused area? Um, how do we bring nonprofits together to have bigger picture conversations so that we can catalyze more change? Um, and so we're really examining everything we do um, under that lens of, at the end of the day, you know, we're not growing nonprofits for the sake of growing nonprofits. We're growing nonprofits because they're doing really important work. And so if we can actually start to utilize those resources, which aren't just SVPs, but are TEPs and small businesses and individuals living in our community um, to make a dent, in a problem uh, that, that's afflicting our community. Um, we're really interested in that and specifically in the area of looking at educational attainment um, as a way to increase social mobility for uh, people in this community. So sure. I think every time we, we start to look at it, we get more questions um, as opposed to answers, but we're getting close to, to having some ideas on how we can move this forward. Perfect, well, thanks for sharing that. So building a community to change a community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love awesome. that. You're ready that? for your fast yeah. pitches, Sarah. Yeah, You're so. like three seconds. You don't even need the three minutes. So we do need to wrap it up. I want to, you know, you know, extend just tons of gratitude to the both of you for being a part of our show. Uh, Wendy Erica Worden from TEP and Unisource Energy Corporations and Sierra Garcia from Social Venture Partners. Another really awesome conversation and thank you so much for being a part of our community and being willing to you know share the message spread the word and and grow uh, conscious capitalism so thank you Thank you. All Thank of you. that. Uh, real quickly, uh, Thursday, June 27th is our next event. We are doing a collaboration event with Local First on the topic of employee ownership models. So that's a breakfast event at Goodman's. Uh, we'll have more information online for anybody who's interested in joining up on that. 